an 8-bit Rocket Studios production. We were children of the Silicon Revolution, an X-generation conscripted to fight the console and home computer wars. A product of an analog 70s childhood, we came of digital age in the 80s, believing we could affect the world 8 bits at a time. Armed with joysticks, full-stroke keyboards, jolt cola, and MTV haircuts, we proceeded into the vertical blank. There, we stayed up late at night, devising incantations from D&D rulebooks and beginners' all-purpose symbolic instruction code. Video games were the match, and programming was the fuse, as the infinite possibilities of the digital world exploded into the internet age to come. We are Generation Atari. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Steve. I see you're recording already. When you bring one of these up, it just records already. You know what's funny about December 2020? What's funny about December 2020, Steve? It's the exact same date structure or day structure as December 1981. So sitting here on the 11th of December as we're recording this, it's exactly two weeks from Christmas, which would have been exactly the same day in 1981. It would have been, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's it exactly the same. Steve. 1981. 1981 is the Atari VCS Christmas. Wow. Now hold on a sec, Steve. What is the name of this episode? The name of this episode is the Atari 1981, the Atari VCS Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, first of all, Steve, into the vertical blank, Steve. Wait, into the vertical blank. Wait, we're, isn't there, didn't someone send us an email about into the vertical blank? I'm going to read you a, a message we got on Twitter right now from a, uh, a it was pretty funny. Um, well, before you read that message, I have one thing to say to you. Well, what do you want to Into say? the vertical blank. Into the vertical blank, Steve. Into the vertical blank. Into the vertical blank. This is from Kim Slauson, who said, is on Twitter, to the Into the Vertical Blank podcast Twitter account that I manned half the day, and the other half of the day I manned my regular Twitter account, um, said, <laughs> Dear Sirs, I do so hate leaving negative feedback. But I must say that in the latest episode, there were not nearly enough back and forths of into the vertical blank. Wait, into the vertical blank? Into the vertical blank. Uh, ad is that what he's asking about? Ad infinitum. I can't say that word. Please rectify this error in future episodes. Regards, Kim. Yes. Done. Done. Into the vertical blank. Into the vertical blank. Actually, so what episode number is this, Steve? This is episode... S324, I believe. So we got through 24 episodes this year, which is average of two a month. Yes, we know. This is 8-Bit Jeff here. It's actually episode 25, not episode 24. 24 we released last week. That was a compilation of our last three Christmas episodes. 
Yeah, and we started in like March. Too. Well, we did so, a couple extras in January and February too. So we actually did probably around twenty-eight episodes this year. Probably, and we probably there might be another one after this too. I don't know, depending on what happens. Chris, I think we need to do a post-Christmas episode if we sure, have. Sure, because chance. this is going to come out pretty, pretty, pretty Christmas. And we're still in quarantine. Um, this will probably be the first Christmas ever that I actually don't see you on Christmas Day. I mean, there's a possibility. Well, for like a for like two or three seconds, I'm going to drop by. Yeah, I know. You It'll know what? Um, seconds. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what I'm going to drop by. I maybe send you guys stuff from Amazon, but you know. Um, yeah. I mean, we have, I got you something already. I got you something already, Steve. Which is cool. It's a Pi 400, which I'm very excited about. Um, well, yeah, yeah I, I did know that. And, um, and 500 the Pi 400 awesome. is going in my garage. Did I tell you that? It's, it could, well, because it's, it's going to be my um, hacking computer, my, my um, Raspberry Pi hacking computer, and it goes in the garage. Exactly. Garage exactly. So I'm, that's going, it is going to be my garage computer, too. I'm putting a new floor in the garage. I'm making a little garage section, which is going to be my retro, also storage, but also my little retro hutch, which is going to have all my, all the retro games and books and everything in there. And um, it's going to have my Pi 400 computer. So that sounds cool. And that is Christmas 2020. But I really, really, really want to talk about Christmas 1981. I mean, we spent a couple different that we've done two different Christmas episodes one last year was about Christmas 1983, the greatest Christmas ever. And if no one has listened to that one, go ahead and listen to it because I think it's a really interesting story. That's about us getting our Atari computer. 800 Chris, computer. Atari 800 computer, right? And the, well, the one we did before that was the Christmas train. And that was actually started in Christmas 82, but that was about dad and his love of trains. And you know that Bill Lang had also submitted a, a Christmas oh, yeah. train um, <laughs> one that we that I read. That was cool. That was I know. So, so, But this this year is about... I mean, for some reason, we decided the third Christmas episode to be about the first Atari Christmas ever for us. But that's the way it goes, I guess. I guess we're working backwards. We were working to try to figure out what the vertical blank is. And it turns out that, I, that we may have discovered it with this episode, or at least where it started. We also discarded started with Star Wars and Legos. And I know, I know, I know. Where um, okay, so where did it become real? I guess became real the morning of Christmas Day when we opened. Wait, 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 wait! Before you say what? anything, what? Why don't we play the story? Yeah, let's play the story first. Atari VCS Christmas. When did the vertical blank open for us? When did we become part of Generation Atari? When did we enter this realm from which we've never been able to escape? Was it when we first saw a video game being played in 1976? Was it when we were obsessed with Asteroids in 1980? Was it when we first got an Atari computer in 1983? Over the course of three seasons and 56 or so episodes of this podcast, we've been trying to discover this very thing. 
But here is what I think happened. I think we entered the vertical blank by surprise. We were sideswiped by it. We wanted it to come so badly that we never saw it coming. This is the story of Christmas 1981, the Atari VCS Christmas. It was 1981, and I felt like I had watched the future from afar. None of the modern conveniences promised by TV and movies had yet arrived at our house, other than a second-hand color TV my dad had fixed himself after taking night classes. There was very little in our house that would signify to say Time Traveler from 2181 that technology had progressed much since the end of World War II. My mom washed the dishes by hand, threw her food in a garbage compost trash can, opened cans with two hands, a tool, and a twisting motion, popped popcorn on the stove in a covered pot, processed food with a knife and a cutting board, made coffee with a pan and a strainer on the stove, and heated all meals in a vintage O'Keefe & Merritt built-in oven, using gas only, never waves of any kind, micro or otherwise. My mom's one nod to modernism was a job. Until very recently, though, she had been a full-time stay-at-home mom. This stood out in a quickly changing world of divorcees and career women around town. In 1979, she took a class and a test and was certified to be a teacher's aide. She took a job at our elementary school for a few months before moving on to Grandview Elementary School on the good side of town. I was jealous of those kids at Grandview that they got to spend all day with my mom while I had to be at penny camp. I'd rather be on the streets with my mom and brother on walking adventures like we used to go on when I was little. It didn't seem fair. My dad was also a product of a different age. He mowed the lawn with a push mower, paid for all purchases with cash, never credit, listened to AM radio almost exclusively, and refused any kind of telephonic upgrade beyond the single, flesh-colored, wired rotary phone in the living room. For our entertainment, our house received channels 2 through 13 and 28 and sometimes 56 and had a stereo system that could play phonograph records only, no support for tapes of any kind. His garage door was always pulled up by hand. No car who he ever owned had air conditioning, and he changed the channels on the TV by getting off his ass and turning the knob. My older sisters were modern, though. Cool, mysterious, and protective of us, both had branched out from a 1950s-style home and embraced the new wave of punk rock, probably the most modern thing I could imagine in 1981. My sisters, especially the oldest, Mari, rejected our suburban life sentence and instead were making rules of their own. As far as I could tell, the punk rock she loved was about breaking down the old and building something new. The rejecting of corporate rock was just the beginning. In time, the punk ideals of do-it-yourself would permeate every part of entertainment and culture, even if the movement itself was short-lived. Decades later, I'd come to understand that Atari's role in breaking down the norms of Silicon Valley in the 70s that was very similar to the role punk rock played in the music industry. But in 1981, Punk seemed, but in 1981, punk seemed the antithesis of the consumer culture of video games and was just another reason why I believed an Atari VCS would never enter my house. The very idea that a video game system like an Atari VCS could invade this environment was beyond unthinkable. It was ludicrous. 
Our parents did not waste money on non-essential or fad products, and if they were going to make any kind of purchase, they needed concrete proof that it would not be a wasted effort. Even then, there were never any guarantees. At the same time, my sisters were playing the roles of revolutionaries breaking down the establishment. Somewhere in the middle, my brother and I were 11-year-old kids just trying to figure out the world in front of us. And in that world, the name Atari loomed larger than life. Ever since we played Atari at our friend Carrie Lenahan's house in 1978, we had hinted about a VCS. However, the trip from 1978 to 1981 had been a slow burn. We had spent a lot of energy in that time trying to acquire the things that other kids in the neighborhood took for granted. Bikes to ride, skateboards, color TV, playing on soccer and baseball teams. Each one of those was a tiny little battle in a war with their parents to enter the modern age. But the Atari was always in the background. Every trip to Target, Fedmart, or Montgomery Ward included a protracted bit where my brother and I would run off to play the demonstration Atari unit in their respective TV sections. We did it so many times it resembled theater. We'd both pick up a joystick, playing around a combat, hoping our parents would see how dedicated to shooting each other we'd become. We'd play until, like clockwork, the salesman came over and turned off the machine, shooing us away. An unsubtle, metaphoric reminder from the universe about our true chances of actually ever getting a video game console. After 1978, several Christmases went by with very little movement in the Atari direction. Home video game systems were expensive things for the rich kids across town, like the ones my mom taught at Grandview. Just like pool tables and full-size pinball machines, like summer vacations, ski trips, and memberships at country clubs, they were not for the kids of failed actors just scraping by, living in the far-flung suburban shadow of the Hollywood they could never break into. We did have a close run in the year before, Christmas 1980, when at the end of Christmas morning we saw a box with the words color and video on it behind the Christmas tree. My sisters and brother got very excited when we saw this box, because none of us had any idea what it could be. However, it turned out to be a false alarm. It was not any kind of video game or even a present for the family. Instead, my dad had bought himself a black and white TV and color TV antenna for Christmas from Radio Shack and put it under the tree for himself. It was a gift he always wanted, but my mom was incapable of buying, so he did the work himself. Still, those exciting moments of what could this be stuck with me? And the idea of the exciting last present under the tree was born. My dad must have noticed our obvious disappointment at the final gift. So to make up for it, on our birthday a month later in 1981, he did buy us a video game console. A 75% off TV scoreboard Pong unit from Radio Shack. Julie ready to go? Are you kidding? Hey, you want to play hockey? We got a new TV scoreboard game from Radio Shack. Sure. Radio Shack's fast action TV games. Play hockey, tennis, squash, and more. Easy hookup to any TV. I'm ready. A great gift idea. And they're on sale. Six game model, just $29.95. Four game model, $19.95. It was terrible. Even as Pong consoles went. We played it anyway, but it died a few weeks later and our video game hopes were dashed. But there was one great thing it did give us. Hope. My dad had noticed something we wanted and tried, in his own weird bargain-chasing way, to solve the problem. Since my dad was the gatekeeper of most of the money in the house, he was pretty much our only conduit to such an expensive gift. 
This meant we might have a chance to get an Atari VCS, and maybe 1981 would be the year. In the fall of 1981, my brother and I had just begun junior high school and were giving up our childish things. Hot Wheels and Playmobil were pushed to the back of the closet to make room for our new remade junior high selves. And nothing seemed more junior high in 1981 than a video game console that could play the hottest games in the arcade like Asteroids, Space Invaders, and Missile Command. In 1981, things in the video game world were heating up considerably, and after 1981, there would be no turning back. For us, the point of no return came during a fateful visit to a computer store next to a laundromat. The store was an Atari dealer, so they had racks of Atari 8-bit computers and stacks of Atari computer equipment, which was a revelation for us. While we were enthralled by the idea of Atari computers and programming them, they also sold Atari VCS games. While we were prepared to see the same old stuff like Combat, Adventure, and Circus Atari, we were not prepared for the newest game in the case. It's a coming soon flyer for Asteroids. Asteroids to us at the time was the best game ever made. We spent countless quarters playing it. To have it in our own home would be amazing. We were instantly thrust into the world of Atari that day and all it had to offer. Video games, arcade translations, and the exciting prospect of one day upgrading to a computer so we could make our own games. That day coming out of HW Computers, we didn't know it yet, but the whole of the vertical blank was standing before us, ready to open and we were willing participants ready to jump in as soon as possible. And right then, having an Atari VCS went from nice to have to the most important thing in the world to an 11-year-old. That said, getting one would take careful planning and coordinated effort. My twin brother and I had never wanted anything that badly, so we had to try everything we could think of to make it happen. After some discussions in our room, we decided that our first avenue of attack was to prove to our parents that a video game system was a genuine product that any kid would be required to have under the Christmas tree. While this would not guarantee a purchase, it would set the groundwork of legitimacy, which for my parents was very important. The first part of this ad hoc plan was to let our parents know how much we wanted an Atari by pointing them out at every store we could find. It was a simple plan based on the theory that if we repeated the same actions over and over, they might get the point and change their minds. We made it a point to salivate over the machine at any and every store we visited that had one, making a beeline in every electronic store, toy, and music store in the mall just to get a glimpse of Atari's wood-paneled wonder and the stack of games that were available. This was that aforementioned theatrical effort that we were obnoxious and relentless with it, but that was only part of our emergent fall 1981 plan to score an Atari VCS. The next line of attack was the 1981 Sears Christmas Wish Book. Every year since we were little, my mom would break out the wish book and have us circle the stuff we wanted for Christmas. For the past few years, we had exclusively circled sports equipment, Legos, and Star Wars toys. However, for 1981, Jeff and I pointedly circled the Sears Telegame, their officially branded version of the Atari VCS. We really didn't want a Sears telegame. We wanted an official Atari machine. A telegame was kind of up there with Tough Skins and Hydrox Cookies, Shasta Cola, and Kinney Shoes as the least favored brand substitutes in existence. However, in my parents' world, that would not matter. Even though we circled stuff in the wish book, our parents didn't always buy everything from it. Sometimes it was more of a guide. My mom would only buy the things she could afford that could also arrive before Christmas. This didn't always jibe with my parents' just-in-time finances that relied on making purchases closer to when money was available. Furthermore, if there was any store my dad hated more than Toys R Us, it was Sears. 
he would complain constantly about their poor quality products and what he called built-in depreciation that forced people to use Sears product service centers prematurely. All of this is probably little more than urban legend, but it served our purposes so we used it to our advantage. We strategically placed the wish book in an area my dad could find on the kitchen table and left it open to the telegame page for a few days. Our hope was that our dad would notice the telegame and ask about it. However, while this might have worked with my mom, my dad was another story. He hated Sears so much he didn't give the wish book the necessary attention required to establish any sort of hatred towards a cheap imitation product. Our next front in this battle for the VCS was complicated but also very important. We needed to appeal to our parents' innate sense of frugality installed in them, in my opinion, by living through the Great Depression. The Atari VCS was expensive. At $139.99 by that time in 1981, it was about the same price as a PS5 in 2020. No one gift for any occasion, birthday, Christmas, anniversary, had ever cost that much in our house. It certainly would be an uphill battle. My dad was a very cost-conscious man with everything but his own hobbies. He loved the idea that his job at Hughes Aircraft afforded him all sorts of discounts on items for which regular people had to pay full price. For instance, all of our movie tickets came from the Hughes Employee Association. However, the tickets had so many restrictions that we didn't see any movies until they were one or two months into their run. Sure, this rendered my brother and I socially retarded because we couldn't join any pop culture playground movie discussions, but we saved about 25 cents a ticket. Likewise, we only went to Disneyland on the Hughes Aircraft special event nights, and we did most of our Christian shopping at Jemco and Fedco, club stores that allowed in only union workers, government employees, and government contractors. Read Hughes Aircraft employees. It was on one of our trips to Jemco that we showed our dad the Atari VCS with a combat cartridge. He was intrigued, but when he saw the price tag, a discount, $129.99, he almost had a heart attack. Looking for lower prices? At Jemco, our aim is to give our members the lowest prices. The complete Atari home video computer system with game paddles and combat cartridge, only $129.97. By heart attack, I mean he just kind of ignored it and moved on. There was no way he was going to spend so much money on any kind of toy. At just about the same time, though, Toys R Us is running a TV commercial in which they advertise the Atari VCS for a discount of $139.84. Hello, and welcome to Asteroids 101, where you'll be learning from experts on the subject. From me, Professor Von Bush, and the Atari video computer system, $139.84 at Toys R Us. Now, should you pass this course? roughly 15 cents off the list price. Our dad hated Toys R Us with a passion because they almost never had discounts. A few years prior, when we went out searching for HO scale train accessories, he was appalled at both the prices and the selection of Toys R Us. He considered them a rip-off joint and little else. Jeff and I made sure to loudly announce inside the house whenever this commercial came on the TV. Even though the Atari VCS cost a relative fortune for the time at Jemco, it was nearly $10 less than the hated Toys R Us in their fake 15 cent insult of a discount. There are some significant areas in life that make being a twin completely lame. It's very difficult to establish your own identity. Many of your birthday and Christmas presents are for both of you. You're never sure if people are interested in you as a person or just because you seemingly have a doppelganger walking around with you. And you can easily become socially inept because you have a built-in buddy and you never have to learn how to make friends on your own. However, all of these things are trumped in those rare moments when you mind melt into an unstoppable single-headed force. Rare as they are, it's those times that make being a twin one of the coolest things in the world. 
At that moment in 1981, we had to harness that power if we wanted to be successful in our VCS quest. Hey Jeff, I said one morning in early December as I walked into the kitchen, looking at the strategically located Sears Witch Book conveniently located next to our dad, who was eating homemade corn and blueberry pancakes for breakfast. What is that in the Sears Wish Book? Without missing a beat, Jeff replied, Hey Steve, it's an Atari 2600 video game system. The same one we showed Dad at Gemco, remember? As this first portion of the act completed, we both noticed no discernible reaction from our father. So we had to step it up a bit. Sears, I replied. Don't they have built-in depreciation? Then my dad's ears perked up. We hit a nerve. His boys had been listening to his rants over the years. Yes, Jeff replied. Look closer. It's not actually an Atari. It's a cheap Sears ripoff. Even though this is not technically true, my dad had no idea. Yeah, I replied, and they have the real one at Toys R Us for 15 cents less than at Sears. With that, my dad picked up the Sears wish book and looked at the page. Damn Sears, Toys R Us, he blurted out between bites of corn cake. Thank God for Gemco. Then he put down the catalog and returned to eating. My dad's innate ability to find bargains had been ignited. He knew his boys wanted one of those machines, and now he knew how to get it at a $10 discount. Mission accomplished, or so we hoped anyway. But we needed to seal the deal. We had to step up our attack to another level. But how? When the quarterback on the football team changes a play in the football field based on situational awareness, it's called an audible. Our plans to get an Atari VCS changed in early December in a similar fashion when we discovered the greatest publication of the golden age of video games, Electronic Games Magazine. Electronic Games, the first ever magazine dedicated to video games, published its first issue in November of 1981 at almost a perfect time for our plan. Jeff and I found it on the newsstand at Lucky Supermarket, convinced her mom to let us buy it, she didn't want us to waste our money, and devoured every page over an entire weekend. When he came up for air on Sunday night, we both knew we'd found a brand new angle. Electronic Games Magazine was the first legitimate tangible concrete proof that video games were not just a passing fad. Would a passing fad have a dedicated magazine? My dad loved magazines. He himself subscribed to enthusiast magazines dedicated to his own hobbies, like dirt bike, shotgun news, and prevention. With Electronic Games Magazine, video games became a reality that could not be ignored. This was our hobby. He had to see that, right? We showed him the magazine and, to this day, I recall his response. He said, hmm, very interesting, in one of his fake, funny actor voices. At that very moment, after all the things we had tried, I believe I heard a distinct clicking sound, as if the frozen gears of our own little video game universe began to turn ever so slightly. trying to think back now at the pre-teenage kid I was in 1981, going into the second half of December having no idea what the future held. At 11 years old, I was pretty good at a lot of things. Soccer, baseball, creative writing, math, but not really great at anything. The only great pool I felt was towards video games, to play them, to explore them, and to one day maybe even make them. But that seemed like such a far-off gambit. It was around this time that my dad began telling my brother and I that we would one day end up homeless on Skid Row. I think he saw it too. 
His boys were remarkably ordinary in his eyes, with very little interest or aptitude for the things he loved so much, like guns, cars, technical drawing, etc. He saw his own weird and tumultuous trajectory of life from artist to actor to draftsman and knew that reality can throw all sorts of curveballs. So he started suggesting we become real estate brokers. Real estate to me was as boring as video games and computers were exciting. Real estate was the opposite of anything I ever wanted to do. I needed to find my own thing and my way into it as fast or the walls would start closing up seemingly forever. As weird as it might sound now, an Atari VCS appeared to be a holy grail, a way out. I did not know exactly why, but I kind of thought it was my shot. I might have been ordinary at nearly everything, but my interest in Atari was extraordinary. That at least felt like a place to start. With most of the groundwork laid now, Jeff and I pushed late into December. We continued to point out the Atari VCS at every store that had one. We circled it in newspaper ads. We got overly excited when it came on the TV. Atari would like to thank you for taking us into your homes. We wish you all a happy holiday. As school let out for winter break, we both felt an Atari might be within our grasp, but the not knowing was killing us. Not able to contain our desire to know the truth, we decided to ask our older sister Mari if she knew anything. Mari was always kind of an enigma to us. She watched us when we were little, but as she got older, it was tough for Jeff and I to relate to her. She started staying out very late on school nights and was into that aforementioned punk rock scene. This meant she hung out with all sorts of odd, fascinating, sometimes downright scary characters. We wanted to know what our sister was about, but it was difficult to get her attention away from the gritty scene and back to her plain old geeky brothers. However, Mari was also the most responsible adult we knew. She was going to design school, she had her own car, and appeared to have intimate knowledge of the inner workings of the Fulton family. If anyone knew anything about an Atari VCS secretly coming into the house via our parents, it would be Mari. As well, on the occasions we did spend time with Mari, she sometimes took us to Castle Golf and to the Aladdin's Castle to play Breakout and Asteroids, or played other games with us at Safeway and Pizza Hut, so she knew how much we liked video games and probably had some idea how much we wanted an Atari VCS. Jeff and I cornered Mari just outside a room, a mother-in-law unit attached to the garage, a few days before Christmas, and begged her for information. However, what she told us was not what we wanted to hear. Look, she said, I have no idea if mom and dad bought you an Atari VCS for Christmas, but it's time you guys face the cold, hard reality of our parents. What's that? I asked her. You don't think mom and dad have heard your hints? Don't you think they want to get you an Atari? The truth is, the Atari's really expensive. It costs more than they spent last year on every gift for Christmas. Mom and dad just probably don't have it this year. Maybe if dad works a lot more overtime, they can get you one next year. Maybe, maybe not. My brother and I looked at her and she continued. I have to pay my way through school and buy everything that I need. Appreciate what you get, save your money, and maybe you can get one on your own. That's what I do. With that, she went back into her room, shut the door, and turned up the clash on her stereo. Mari's words and clampdown rang in my ears all day long. (music) 
I went through many phases of emotion that day, but by the end I realized that Mari had to be right. The truth was always there, staring us in the face, but Jeff and I just did not want to see it. There was a good reason my mom did not want us to waste money on video game magazines, and a good reason our parents were so frugal, always looked for bargains, and were careful where they shopped and did not buy modern appliances. They couldn't afford them! Period. A shattering feeling of complete disillusionment hit me at the moment. For the first time, I realized that merely wanting for something did not mean I would always get it. We were able to get the gifts we circled in the Sears wish book in the past because we always circled stuff that was affordable. Somehow, we instinctively knew that while Hot Wheels were okay, a green machine was not. That Mattel electronic football was okay, but a full-size ballet pinball machine was not. We already knew the rules and parameters of Christmas, even if they were not overt. We asked our parents for things they could buy and they got them for us. Atari VCS was roughly 10 times the cost of nearly any other gift we'd ever received. No matter of hints and cajoling could change the fact that the money wasn't there, it wasn't there. Christmas morning was always a rare, happy blur in the Fulton household. For all the time our family spent ignoring and fighting with each other during the other 364 days of the year, we would try to make it up on Christmas. Christmas morning was one of the only times you would see the following in our house. People hugging, people thanking each other, people saying, I thought of you when, my mom and dad smiling at each other, my sisters getting along, people asking my mom if she needed help with anything, and our entire family in a room together at the same time. We might not have had much money, but collectively as a family, we seemed to save it all so we could wrap up tons of for each other for Christmas. Presents were usually inexpensive. Model kits, art supplies, books, household items. More emphasis was placed on the thought than the value, and surprises were of utmost importance. Honestly, it was probably our only real happy family time out of the year, so we wanted it to last as long as possible. Our present opening lasted hours, with each person watching everyone else open their presents, ooing and aahing over them, and then moving on to the next present. We would break for breakfast and sometimes even for lunch before all the present opening was complete. None of us ever stated it, but I'm pretty sure the reason it lasted so long was because no one wanted it to end. As soon as the last present dropped, we would all retire to our various rooms and pretty much ignore each other for another year. I do not remember much from Christmas 1981 except the last two presents that Jeff and I opened. It was late in the morning. The Christmas lights had long since gone from lighting up a darkened room to blinking ineffectively against the daylight. It had been a good year. I recall being satisfied with what our parents had given us. Mari's words, while difficult for my 11-year-old mind to completely understand, had broken through. I had moved from disillusionment to mere disappointment. So when the wrapped box, the size of an Atari VCS, was taken from the hiding place behind the tree was handed to Jeff and I to rip open, it came as an utter and complete surprise. As the wrapping came flying off, there in our hands was a real Atari video computer system, complete with combat, two joysticks, two paddles, a TV switch box, an AC adapter. Surprise. Jeff and I were completely stunned. It was at that moment that we entered the modern world. The vertical blank opened right in front of us and begged us to enter. It was such a shocking and thrilling place and time that I still have dreams about the last present on Christmas hidden behind the tree, and I've tried to recreate that moment and feeling many times for my own kids, but it's never the same. How could it be? Before we could even fathom how it actually happened that morning, Mari handed us the present she had bought for us. We opened it up to reveal a breakout cartridge for the VCS. Mari was in on the plan. 
all along. She had done a bit of convincing on her own to get my parents to buy an Atari VCS for us and was instrumental in the process of having it arrive on Christmas morning 1981. My mom had saved up a bunch of her money from her teacher's aid job and my dad did his part working extra overtime at Hughes so they could afford the purchase. It was a rare moment when our family actually seemed to work the way I thought a family should work. Well, how it worked based on the TV shows and movies I'd seen up to that point anyway. I want to imagine my parents smiling and hugging each other as they realized they had found us the perfect gift, even though I'm sure nothing like that ever happened. The fact that I was lucky enough to end up with an Atari VCS as a result of all this is something I will never forget. By the way, it turned out our mom had not only gotten our hints, but was concerned that we would not be sufficiently surprised on Christmas morning if they did indeed get us a VCS. She turned to Mari and had her throw us off the track. In the end, all of our twins' scheming almost worked too well, and it could have backfired completely if my mom had decided that there would be no surprise. For the sake of the story, I'd like to pretend that we had an idyllic Christmas day, playing the Atari VCS and enjoying family time over combat and breakout, but I can't. In reality, the VCS didn't work right out of the box. The TV connection was broken, so we had to take it back to Gemco, of course, the next day to get a replacement. Since we were already out of the house, we spent our Christmas money on Asteroids, Activision Tennis, and Activision Laser Blast, then took the haul home and played the Atari VCS all day and into the night on December 26th and all the way through to Sunday, January 3rd, the day before we went back to school. It probably seemed like a complete waste of time to anyone from the outside, but to Jeff and I, it was pure, unmitigated bliss. Mari played along with us most of the time too, which was cool, because we never really had anything at home prior to that that we liked to do together. The Tara VCS helped create actual family time among siblings that never really existed in our house before that day. In the years that followed, Jeff and I and Mari formed a camaraderie over video and computer games that has lasted all the way up to this Christmas. Even though she was 9 years older and wiser than us, the medium of video games leveled the playing field so we could compete on equal footing and helped create an intangible sense of understanding between us that, while wavering in the ensuing decades, has never really broken. Every year since, we have purchased each other at least one game for Christmas, and even though we don't have as much time to play them with each other as we used to, we're always there with each other in spirit. We've helped Mari purchase, build, and set up at least 10 computers over the years, and in the early 90s we even got her a Hercules black and white graphics powered 386 and made sure to supply her with hundreds of compatible green screen DOS games. She became a huge Game Boy fan, and were able to help feed her addiction over the years as well with hundreds of PC games and even a few PS2 console games as her technology acquisitions progressed. This year, we'll make sure to get Mari Google gift cards to feed her browser and phone game addiction, and Jeff and I will be getting each other a Pi 400, which is basically the ultimate Raspberry Pi all-in-one system for gamers, tinkers, and programmers. At the same time, at the same time, our parents and other sister Carol never really warmed up to the Atari VCS like we hoped they would. I think my mom played Asteroids once, and my dad might have tried combat a couple times. Our sister Carol, 16 at the time, probably just said, ooh, geeks, and ran away from it. I don't think they ever understood what we liked about video games or what the VCS meant to us, and to be honest, I'm not sure I could really explain it to them if I tried. How do you explain to people who don't understand that the very thing they have no interest in or are ignoring is the one thing you believed ultimately helped you make it in life. My parents and sister Carol might not have seen the path from VCS to computers to career programming games, but we sure did, and this was the first step. The answer is you don't explain it to them. You show it to them. 
with your actions and your interests and hopefully your successes. Nearly 40 years later, the Atari VCS Christmas stands out as the first crack in the wall. It might have been a few years later than I wanted it, but my brother and I finally had a video game system of our own. Our parents had relented and let the modern world invade their space. My brother and I were now in control of the vertical and the horizontal, and there was no looking back. Soon we would not just be playing games, but making them ourselves, and then in turn making lives for ourselves in the world of technology. It's not often that people can point to an event that was really the start of everything in their lives, but I have the advantage of being able to truly do that, because the Atari VCS Christmas was the origin of everything that would come next. The cracks of the vertical blank were yanked open that year, and I fell inescapably into its clutches, and I've been its captive ever since. Hey everybody, it's Bill from Atari Bytes. Every week on my show I play a great old game, then I read an original short story I wrote inspired by that game. Loosely inspired. Okay, often completely different. Sometimes not even based on any sort of reality. In contrast, on Into the Vertical Blank, which you're listening to right now, you get real stories about real people and what these games mean to them. So keep listening. All right, Jeff. So do you remember all hey, that? Nice do you job, remember the run-up? Nice job, by the way. And that, the, the music is, is another Tony Longworth, just amazing song. So Tony so graciously lets us use his music in our podcast, and I promised him when we all get famous and rich, we'll pay him back. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, we don't, we don't make any money on this anyway, so <laughs> <No>. <laughs> So I'm hoping I hope we, we put his Patreon in there. I don't know. I, I would rather Tony make money than us, to be honest. I'd rather Tony make money than us, too. Really, I mean, we're just hacking it away. This guy actually has some talent. Yeah. Uh, speaking of hacks, well, anyway, well, I guess we'll talk about that later. We'll get to the so, hacks. Uh, the story. Okay, do you remember the run-up to Christmas? Oh, Day? of course. We schemed really, really well back then. Too. I mean, we were really good schemers. I recall getting the issue of electronic games was huge. Of course. Because all of a sudden, and I think there was also a TV guide issue that came out too with video mm-hmm. games on it as well, which probably contributed to it because Dad loved TV guide. Like TV guide was like the type of thing that if it was in the TV guide, it was real. It was real, right? And TV guide back then was—I know people, everyone listen to this. If you're in England, you'll know this, but TV guide was a real magazine that people actually purchased and was influential. Right, it, and and even before that, we had a story earlier this year. Um, I think it was in March or April about us going to HW computers for the first time. And that, and that event actually is in the timeline of this story. Even I mean, something being legitimate though, I can tell you this, I know there's all kinds of uh, stores that sell Pokemon cards that I know is legitimate, but if there was like a $700 Pokemon engine that he wanted so he could put his cards in and flip them and make noises, I wouldn't buy him the $700 Pokemon engine that he could put cards in and make noises just because it's legitimate. You know what I mean? 
I have no idea what you're talking about, Jeff. Okay, what so the hell are you? What the mom hell? and dad? What was a video game system? It was oh, something you said. No the equivalent of seven hundred dollar machine that made noises. Okay? It flipped Pokemon cards. Yeah. Yes. So all I'm saying is, <laughs> like, true. even though it's legitimate, it's still just a toy. Um, yeah, and, yeah. I mean, I mean, us. You know, the thing is, I. I, I remember now, but I now I, I got it now. But back then, I had we I had no idea what the economics of our family were like, right? So I didn't. I mean, you should. I have no. another. By the way, I have like a, a Christmas list. I, I don't know. I lost it. I got to find it again. It's from 1984, 1985. Our Christmas list, and it's the most ridiculous Christmas list ever. Like we would, it had like, you know portable CD players and stereo, like there's stuff we were never going to get on that Christmas list. It's, it's hilarious. Wait, I, I don't know when it clued into me that like we, we were not going to get the stuff that other people got. Well, no, I don't know how many people got things like, I um, mean, the kids in our neighborhood there were was pretty a, much the there same. There was a year we got both a VCR and like a, like a boom box or something for our birthday. Wait, we got a VCR for our Yes, room? we did. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then that's and then we good. and then we did is we put the VCR under the TV for the family to use. Oh, that's cool. Did that? Did we really? Yes. But the only the thing about Dad was like he kept saying he wanted VCR, but he wanted to wait till the MTS. He was kind of like us. He wanted to wait till the MTS stereo ones came down in price, right? right. Because that's what he wanted. He didn't well, want this. Well, like, because that's the other thing. He loved Consumer Reports. Right. The, the magazine and the book, and he would get the book and he would find the thing that was the right thing to buy because he wasn't going to waste his money. No. Yeah, so we probably saw that in there. They're like, they probably said, oh, you need to get the M MTS stereo one, and they're now $400. <laughs> but eventually we did get one, and um, it was by Sony, I think. Um, sure. Because Dad would buy Sony, and it was, it was a good one. I don't know if it was stereo or not. So, so this Christmas in 81, so what did we know about Atari – VCS before we hit HW computers the summer that year. I um, I pretend that we knew we knew very, very little. little, very little. Um, I would say that we had played at Carrie Lenahan's house up the street when she got one, and she was when we were eight and she was seven. Was that the yes? Okay, yeah, so seventy. And she had like it. She had a Christmas one that was like the the almost like this maybe not the Sears release one, but maybe it no, was. it was not Sears. It was not Sears. But um, what I mean is the Sears year release one, but it, it had all the, the flip the um, cartridges that open like books and all those original release cartridges. I think that we love things like Number Cruncher and things like that. But And, mean, and on, then we played Breakout. Racer. You mean Street Racer? I'm sorry. Street Racer with yeah, Number Cruncher. But she and didn't breakout. have Breakout till, till the next year. So yes. at her birthday party, she had Breakout. That was in 79. I yeah. remember that because I, I remember I have a whole story about... Uh, that I haven't ever recorded yet about us about going to a birthday party and me discovering Breakout, um, and and not go not being at the birthday party because I played Breakout the whole time. But I, I remember reading that one. Yeah. So um, oh, I guess it's on the website, an older version, but not that anybody cares. The 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 thing is, we we had been to Target and Montgomery Ward and probably Sears. We knew that Combat existed. We knew that, I'll say that what we knew about Atari was kind of on, you look at Electronic Games Magazine, the first one, the winter issue, and you go to the the second, the third page. It's it's with this ad, this famous Atari ad. Atari, there's no comparing it to any other video game. The and stack. there's a stack of the colored yeah. cartridges. Yeah. And to us, 
that was what Atari was. Right. So Skydiver, Adventure, I think we kind of knew what Adventure was, and Street Racer, Home Run, Air Sea Battle. Now, I mean, you know, it sounds like I'm complaining. I'm not. These things were f***ing amazing. To, to us, those were, it was an amazing set of stuff. Now, I, even then, we were like, Home Run, blah. We, we, there were pictures in the back of the box, and you go, yeah, that, did, that doesn't look so great. But I'll but, tell you why sports games didn't excite us at all. We were playing those sports normally. We didn't want to play them on the TV. We want to play video games on the TV. Right. Video games were not sports. It was something else, right? right. It, was, it was a whole other activity. You didn't need to represent sports. You know, it did later. It was fun to play like the football game and stuff. But I contend that, that we only really knew about the cartridges that were in this ad. And again, this ad we never saw. So. I know I saw an ad in TV Guide, probably, or I, I think it was Games Magazine. It was either Games Magazine or TV Guide, and it was for Activision. And it had four cartridges. It was like Fishing Derby and Dragster and, um, and what was it, Bridge. or You know, they, they, weren't, exci they weren't really exciting games, but was, what was exciting was like, wow there's another company making games for Atari. Yeah, that's, that was exciting. That's that's amazing. I think that was in an issue of games. And that I was the thing that iMagic had, we had seen in a case. No, they weren't, they did not exist yet. Okay, so let me just tell you what I'm thinking though. It was a point in time when we went upstairs to May Company and May Company upstairs had like, at that time, wasn't just all clothes and wasn't just like, you know, um, like women's coats in the, no, on the, on the third on floor. The top floor what Big Company had on that top floor was TV. It was like TV and electronics. And in a glass case, you would see the Activision cartridges and Atari ones, and suddenly there were these silver Magic cartridges. Yeah, that's sometime like, in 82. It was, and I think at the time there was this thing where I thought that I knew everything about Atari. And then seeing those is like, oh my God, there's more? Yeah, like you're blown away. That's but that's kind of how I felt like when we got Electronic Games Magazine, which we also did that story in the second season, I guess, EG, which is in the same timeline here as well. When we got Electronic Games Magazine, it was like, holy, shit, I thought I knew everything about video games. Like I thought I knew that there's this Atari and you can play, you know, Street Racer and Air Sea Battle, and now we know that that after going to HW Computers, we knew that you could play Asteroids, Space Invaders, and Missile Command. So the arcade games are coming. But then here's this magazine that opens this whole world. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm behind again. I want to know everything, and I can't, and I don't. So we, we go to HW Computers, and we're like, I mean, we were really interested in Atari. Um, I mean, things were like, it, it would have been a long time. And I know we were hearing about video games. We were playing lots of asteroids at the arcade or up at the, at the grocery store. And then we go to HW Computers, and we hear about Atari computers, which is amazing, but they're so far off. Yeah. Never going to happen. Not going to be a thing we ever get to do. $1,000 for a Atari 800 yeah, but, and, but, a, but, and a But at the same time, it's like, if we could do it, we could make our own game. So that would be awesome. But that's not like, it's sort of not in the realm of possibility at, at right. all. Right. Getting, just getting the VCS is not even the realm of possibility at that point. But we see under the glass, that's where we saw Asteroid Space Invaders Missile Command. And we're like, oh my God, okay, so now we've got to do this. Exactly. And I, I think that started then. I mean, with a run-up to Christmas 81 started in the summer, and we were relentless about it. Like we, we, we were pretty much we were pretty much assholes about getting an Atari that year. Well, I mean, we just, that's what we wanted. I mean, there wasn't, it was like, you know, hey, 
I don't need any Playmobil or anything like that. Just get me an Atari, you know. It, it, it worked out. We were attempting to put together a list of what we came up as our so, top 10 So this VCS is what I games. wanted to do. This is my idea, and you effed it up, okay? Because you didn't listen to me. Okay, it was the top 10 VCS games that were available for Christmas 1981. And you put Pitfall on it. Steve, Steve, I went to Atari Mania and did a list of games released in 1981. And Pitfall, all the games I listed were said they were released in 1981. Mm-hmm. So that's why There's they no were on way, the list. There's no way Pitfall wasn't available. So I'm going to say Atari Mania, whoever takes care of the VCS side, thank it you for probably... having dates. Hold on a second. Thanks for having years because Atari Age... You cannot search by year. Okay. But Atari Media, your dates no, are not it, correct. It was like summer 82 or something when Pitfall. That's fine. I didn't screw it up, though. And I was Yard, by Yard's information Revenge, that I had. Yars Revenge as well did not come out that year. So you need to... I'm going to delete that. I'm Just delete, delete it. We, ha- I've, we, got, we got it. And I'm going to delete Yars Revenge, and you need to add another game to your list. You need to add another game somewhere in that no, list. No, we just. 10. I thought we just needed 10 total. You only have nine. But we already have 10. No, I have 10, and you have 10. Oh, okay. You need to add one. Okay. Actually, I have 11, because I actually did my work. No, that's mine. Uh, my list. You need to go chill. below. Chill out. Chill. <laughs> chill. Because, because um, yeah, uh, I'll put this one here. Then. Yeah, finding release dates, you know, let's be honest. Finding release dates for this stuff early. There are no release dates. It's not like the street date is is next Tuesday. It's like it, things just kind of filtered out from factories after a certain day, right? Uh, it, it, you know, they, they show up on slow boats from China. Actually, I don't know where they where they manufactured the cart- cartridges, but... So, so here's the thing. So so this is what we had. We, we wanted to say, what are your top 10 Atari VCS games? And, and for an Atari podcast, we don't do much. Of, we haven't done much about the VCS. But what are the... What we did an the, entire episode about Pele soccer. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, remember that. I had to take that one. <laughs> and Dragon Stomper. I had to take that one out of circulation, though. We did have one about us oh, playing sorry. together with games we play together in the VCS. Uh, okay. So this is the top 10 Atari VCS games you were excited for. And you could play in Christmas 1981. Right. Because, and, and think about it. It's December, so exactly 39 years ago. It's Friday right. afternoon. We're home from school. We're just getting out of school. Probably walking home from junior high right now. And we probably were talking about the Atari VCS on the way home because that's what we did. And, and let's just imagine that we decided to talk about the top 10 games that we would want for the, the perspective Atari that might come that Christmas, if our sister Mario was, you know, wrong, because she told us. Right. Remember right. when she told us it wasn't going to come? Oh, oh, I remember vividly. Which were, um, yeah, anyway. So that might have been after this. So, so we're walking home from junior high, we're 11 years old, and we're discussing our top 10 VCS games that we hope to play on a VCS that might come two weeks from that day. Right. All right. That's what we're doing. All right. So what's your number 10? Well, and I'm not going to say these are in any particular order, really, because I just put, but they kind of are. Okay. I would say that my, my top three are really, my top three or four, my top three. So I had number 10, Adventure, because I oh. didn't know what it was. And it, of course, and, but I thought it was, it looks, I mean, I, a game called Adventure, doesn't it sound awesome? Yes. And I was at my number seven. And I love the idea of adventure. 
now I appreciate adventure for what it was and what it could do and all that it was. But when we got adventure, not so hot on it. Were you disappointed in it? I wasn't disappointed when we read the thing about the dot and then found Warren Robinette. So I, I, I loved Adventure Game Number Three, which was the longest one with all three. Yeah, that was good. And it wasn't that long after getting Adventure that we got the Atari Age issue that told you about the dot. Yes, it was not long after. Now Atari Ages came out. So, so I think that what's funny is that I think when you got with the with the reader service card or whatever from your Atari VCS in Christmas 81, if you sent it in, I think we got a free subscription to Atari. Yeah, journal, like or, the first six issues or something. Or mom which... paid the $2, whatever it cost. I can't remember what it was, but it was designed. So we got our Atari VCS at exactly the perfect time because then we got our full subscription to Atari Age, which, which started coming like a couple months later. I mean, this, this whole, this whole video, the whole, this is the vertical blank, right? The here. whole Some, thing cascaded awesome. down on top of us, right? Yeah, because, because here the, the magazine comes out, you know, Atar Electronic Games magazine comes out. The translation of the, of the arcade games are coming to the platform, right? And then we get the system at the exact right time for the, the first to get the subscription, which is basically the, the, the Nintendo, you know, um, what's Nintendo, the Nintendo power of the time. It's basically the Nintendo power of his time. I mean, you know, very small, very short, but I mean, basically the Nintendo power of his time. And this whole industry is like, we're right in the thick of it. We're right in the middle. It was awesome. And so anyway, yes, adventure, we got adventure. I was a little disappointed because of the dragon ducks, but the game was fun. No, we uh, didn't get adventure for that Christmas, right? No, Maybe we got it for our birthday, <laughs> which was in January, so it wasn't that far after. No, what? Um, as well, we the next game on your list. Uh, oh, my well, list. Wait, wait, hold on a second. Number, what, don't worry, well, my number, list. Your oh, list. So that's number adventure number seven on my my list. Right. Number ten on my list is Outlaw. Which, stupidly, I didn't have on my list. But, of yeah. course, I wanted Outlaw. Well, because here's the thing about Outlaw. The sounds are weird. And okay? we played it at Carrie's, by the way. Yeah, it sounds like when you get shot, it sounds like the guy's farting or something. Yeah. And, <laughs> but it's classic Atari VCS it is sounds. classic VCS. And you know what? This is why, um, this is interesting. And um, I have this in my mind. I put classic Atari chunky playfield graphics or sprites in the same category as lego before city and space in it so yeah so the original lego the original were... fat legos mm -hmm. not not duplo but just regular legos mm -hmm. you know what i mean but this is just for, the for, just the regular blocks regular blocks which were big and the people were big right you didn't have the little people and then suddenly everything streamlined down so everything atari early is like original lego and then everything, when Activision decides to make sure that things look better, is Atari and Activision, just, and everybody started making things that look like the Lego City in space, the small figures, and it just all coincides. Yeah, no, I see what you're together. saying. I see what you're saying, that like those two things sort of combine together, you know, in a, in, in a way, because the aesthetics are... You know, from big to small, things right, going from right. big to simpler. You know, you know like the whole world and everything is getting smaller, right? Where records yes. are, are, LPs are kind of going away for cassette tapes, and you know, like things are things are you know, cars, compact cars are com coming out, and yes, you know, just lots of things are getting small. Electronics are getting smaller, right? So just the idea that it, even 
even the video games graphics are getting smaller. Started right? to even feel more sophisticated smaller. too. Like at this yeah. point, anyway, it just feels more sophisticated. Like the smaller feels more sophisticated, and it was closer to what we hoped would be on Atari 800. So suddenly, some of that need is quelled right away because some of these games and graphics are starting to look like what we expected to play in a computer better I mean, than what was on Eric's Apple II. With like Activision. So I want to say about Outlaw, the sounds are weird. Yeah. But the sounds are perfectly Atari mid-70s. Yeah, that's right. The sound and those in those figures. Yeah, the, and, and I'll tell you what, it's also, you know, Outlaw is to me, Outlaw and Surround, which is not on this list, no, not on my list, but Surround and Outlaw are two of the best games of playing Steam and Vault multiplayer. If you can find someone to play against, which is really hard. Which is just um, you or I, basically. Yeah, if you can find someone, they're, Surround and Outlaw are great games to play. You know we um, should do one of these times? Is do, no one's going to show up, but we could record it as and record it live. We could do a broadcast to YouTube of us playing these games against one another live. We should invite anyone to come. Like, we should find a time and say, we hey, will. We'll who wants to go on to Atari Vault and play a bunch of multiplayer Atari VCS games? That would be really cool, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you can cross-play. Like, I don't know if the Atari Vault on, like, the PlayStation or the Xbox or the Switch can cross-play with the Atari Vault on the PC. I would, I would target the Steam one. It's, it's I really think that cheap. just seems easier for, for us. I can play and record. I oh. know I can record it. Yeah. So at least you and I'll show up to cross play to, to sure. play. Yeah, we can do what we can do a broadcast. You can OBS studio in me on video and then you can stream it to the YouTube or something. Exactly. Exactly. Time. Yeah. But, well I just OBS in both of us in this we have you'd have an OBS of this chat window yeah. zoom going at <laughs> exactly. the same time. That would be in one window. And, and maybe then, I'll do a like a I'll do like a, a Snapchat lens and turn myself into a, a video game character or something. Whatever. Like that. Yeah, that'd be great. Great. And then, um, and then we would OBS in the gameplay screen too. And then we would have wait, but anyway. So yeah. Okay. Fine. So okay. that's not um, my number ten. I, I outlaw. Little disappointing when we actually got it. Still fun uh, though. Still real, fun. Still fun. I, I love the ones where you was, could break but, away. You could shoot away. Shoot pieces oh off my, of the stuff. I shoot the piece off the wagons going by. Amazing. Yeah. But I don't. I don't care about later. I'm talking about walking home I know, from I junior know. high school on December 11th. What does it know? What's today? Yeah, December 11th, 1981. Uh, Outlaw definitely was one of the games I want to play. Yeah, okay. it, was, it was swirling around in my head, too. Okay, so the next one, we both – I have number um, I have number nine and you have number eight. We kind of have – we have a few yes. here that are in almost the same place. But um, my number nine is Night Driver, another yes. game that's in that – fat graphics one but it's something that we had never played a first person driving game at all at this point no. um, except for possibly this game in the arcade this and, game is insanely fast and it uses the paddle which is the right thing to use to play this game yeah yeah night driver was i loved it i mean it's again like like it, it's not very deep you know our game playing at this time is really within two or three minute segments and then you right. pull the cartridge out and play another one um a lot of it was very switchy you know you're, you're playing lots of games in a very short amount of time that's kind of how we played atari and 
I think that was, you know, kind of going along a little bit with the our ability to control the TV. You know, you, you know that was there. There's that, that idea that you could you could control what was going on was fed by the fact that the games are very short. But I I really liked Night Driver a lot. I it was before pole position. I remember playing that vector driving game in the arcade. It wasn't Night Driver, but it was a game that that was like like Night Driver. But I love this game a lot, and that's why it made number eight on my list. It was number nine on. On yours. And another thing about it is we did know the graphics sucked. That that wasn't the point. Yeah, I mean, they, we didn't even think they sucked. They were just, they went by so fast. It's like, oh, hey, there's the chunky tree case, again. It didn't matter. Right, See, right. And with Night Driver, it didn't matter because Night Driver was, reminded me more of the game we made on the Etch-A-Sketch where yeah. you would try to get through the track and, and we'd time each other. It was, it was more of a, a skill contest. It wasn't about realism. Right. None of this was about realism, to be honest. I mean, how could it be with, with the, the adventure dot and, you know, the outlaw sounds and stuff like that? I mean, it's, it's, it's all abstract. I say that abstractness is, is also part of the vertical blank. These sounds, there's an aesthetic to all of this that's very much ingrained in, and it's not about realism. It's, I think there's it's something else to say that, um, that right now there's a resurgence of interest in the channel f just because people found found out that you know they have a lot of books written about and by the person who designed it and then it's great and um and it was it was an incredible achievement but we had played the channel f at wesley's house yeah we and have. the channel f was something we did not want because we played video pinball on that and it was breakout so and, so here's the thing here's here's the thing about the channel f the channel f is channel f all the games are named they're not they they didn't they didn't they didn't name the games as if they were going to be artistic creations the games are like named pinball tank one like they're all things that could not be copyrighted so what i mean is is that like the games can be copyrighted but the, but the actual names and stuff nothing can can really live past the channel f because there was there were no like there's no intellectual property created that could live on past that console so i think that makes it really hard for people to grasp you know it's it's more like a very sophisticated pong console where where the games are like you know tennis and you know and and sports and you know whatever but that takes away from the fact that it was a freaking amazing thing right for exactly so what i want to say was it was amazing when we played it but we had played the atari vcs and and it was so far more sophisticated the games we had seen that First of all, and, they were in color for one. Yeah, they were in color. Well, Channel F was in color, kind of or a couple colors. Two, there were a couple colors. It was, anyway, anyway, we the Channel F is not one that we could even play at a store before this. We the only other ones they had at the store at the time was the Odyssey Two. I remember when Wesley we went to Wesley's house and he um he showed us his um got like a Space Invaders like game. Yeah, it's a cool game. And that was after we had the VCS. Yeah. yeah, he got a VCS just a little while afterwards too. See, all you do is to tell his dad, and his dad would go, "What the folds of VCS? We gotta get a VCS. Would yeah. they have an Atari computer? We gotta get you a better computer than that. Here's an IBM PC for playing one game." We played Decathlon, Olympic Decathlon. It's a great game, though. Awesome. But still, yeah, freaking awesome. Okay, so um, your next one is. Oh, my next one is Night Driver. I'm sorry. Excuse no, me. no. My next, next one game. is Video Pinball. Yes, sir. Video Pinball. I mean, I think I saw a review of it l lately, and people are like, oh, not a great game at pinball. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. It was awesome for the time. Yes. 
it was awesome for time. And and there there was a way that if you nudge just correctly, you could play forever, which I believe yeah, you able could to play forever. You could, and there's one thing about it. Atari had a video pinball console out, not anywhere near as good as this cartridge. Yeah, no, no, it was, um, it was, I, I remember that was just like a black and white thing, right? Well, it also, it was the, there were no flippers. I think it was more of a breakout style game too, with, with a little bit of pinball in it. So Ian Legler has it at his house. We played it, plugged it in two summers ago when we were uh, in the days before the pandemic, when we were allowed to travel to other states Um, (laughs) in Seattle, I, I played it and it was, it was fun, but, um, Oh, that's cool. Well, video pinball. Awesome. You were always really good at it. And there's a lot of stuff going on on this pinball machine for an Atari VCS screen. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very elaborate. I love, I love the game. It was, I think it was one of the ones that I secretly, I wanted badly. We didn't get it right away. I don't remember exactly when we did get it. It wasn't that long after. It was our own money though. So I think for our birthday, we ended up getting Missile Command and Adventure. Right. And I think then with money from our birthday, from my grandparents and stuff, we were able to go out and get a couple more games. And I think that's when Night Driver and Video Pinball came. I think that's you're pretty close, right? We and, had a and, really color, colorful collection of cartridges. Yeah. I remember being in the thick of it at the time. You know, that time was so exciting to be able to go to the store and still purchase, like, Video Pinball. I mean, just, I don't know. I don't know why it seems so cool. It's just, it's just such well, a cool time. So. Okay, so next on your list is what? Pele soccer. Now, I just right. before this, I'd mentioned that I didn't play sports games on here, but the difference is Pele <laughs> soccer. People deride this as not a very good game. Pele soccer one had Pele on the front. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, also, um, it was not a bad game, and I think it was relatively inexpensive at the time. I think it, it was like nineteen ninety nine or something when we picked it up. But I liked Pele soccer a lot because there you because it, it had a full scrolling screen up and down it was like it's like a kickoff two before there was kickoff two right i mean it's not really as fast come out and kick a little bit like kickoff yeah your feet you got these three little guys running around and it was just fun like it was just a fun the fireworks show it was just a fun game now did i want it yeah because i looked in the thing i said oh my god it looks like a soccer game yeah, but it came. We got it later. I think we did. We got it, it. This was a game I wanted, but we didn't get it till at least it's probably in the summer. And I don't think we spent nineteen ninety. I no. think the summer of eighty two, and I may be wrong about this. It might have been eighty three, but I think it was eighty two. There was a, a bunch of old stock Atari games at at Target, and they were two bucks a piece. And it was all the original games in the original colored boxes, you know, from like the late seventies. This might have been one of them, or we might have got Championship Soccer there for that and got uh, Pele Soccer later. Yeah, I can't remember. I mean, two dollars was not something we were purchasing it's, Atari I games for. I think that yet. must have been eighty-three, though. That must yeah. have been eighty. Late eighty-three be. or summer eighty-three, <clears throat> maybe. Yeah, it's, it's summer eighty-three. I remember it being really cool. Um, I mean, us being really excited, not understanding that it meant that the whole industry. Yeah, was we fall did, didn't get it. Yeah. So, so the next so non-dupe is number seven is adventure on mine. Number six on mine is skiing, which is a game I wanted too. This is one of the first games we got. Although I can't 
picture when exactly we got it. But skiing by Activision, I think people people forget this. This it's is a, a great title. Rolling game, yeah. It's a great game. Now, Activision games always were a little disappointing to me in that they didn't have a lot of variations, and they didn't have a lot of there weren't there was no lot of depth. But the thing is, what they did, they did really well. Right. They took a simple concept and they impl- they they implemented it like in the best way possible in the VCS at the time. Yes. Yeah, so skiing is a great Now, I think at the time we got skiing, whenever we got it, I was disappointed because you couldn't jump over the moguls. Little did I know that it was one of the difficulty switches that set you jumping over the moguls. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, too bad we didn't read the instructions. Yeah, but we didn't. I mean, we should have. But um, So next on the list is a game we actually did receive, I think, actually on Christmas or the day after. I know I picked it up. We picked it up um, with Yeah, Asteroid. I don't know exactly when we got Well, this is a thing. I distinctly remember so Activision Tennis is the game. And I distinctly oh, remember we got, that. We got that we got that the day after Christmas. Yeah, yeah, the day after Christmas. And I distinctly remember this. That we had the yeah, That's my setup. number five. This your number three. Yeah, it's your number five. I was just going I'm sorry, okay. I was going on your That's list. fine. We'll, that's we'll fine. Get it. Anyway. Matter. Okay, so I distinctly remember I guess I wanted to talk about tennis. That's but fine. um I remember this. We the video the Atari was hooked up in the living room to a color TV for a little while. But you're not going to get that very far with Mom and Mari and Carol wanting to use the TV. So Dad allowed us to set the Atari up for a little while at Christmas and the day after in his, in his bedroom, room. Yes, in his on room. a black and white TV, and we played the same played, black and white TV he got the year he bought himself for Christmas the year the before. year before, right? When we were all excited because we saw the word video TV. color, right? But it, but but it was just his antenna. I remember box. that, and and anyway, so um, tennis and another <laughs> game that's on this list that comes up later. I played forever on that black and white TV, and and Dad allowed me to, for some reason, and it was I think fun. He was a little excited that we. I mean, he liked that we had. The- yeah, I think at the time this was a little exciting for him at the time. He spent the money. He saw it. He actually saw it was better than he thought it was going to be. Skiing and Astros and tennis, two great cartridges. Yes, skiing and Astros and tennis are are maybe. I mean, maybe the best two we could have got because we also got Dragster. No, that wasn't then, though. That wasn't then. Um, Dragster was disappointing to me. I could never figure out how to do it. Dragster was for our birthday. We I picked it up for my birthday a little, a couple days, a few weeks later. Okay. Yeah, um, I still can't figure out Dragster, and it's a game that only lasts like five seconds. Yeah, so it's we, cool. It looks good. It's based on an Atari on a on a on Atari game. It's like an Atari coin op that I'm thinking that Activision Larry made a version made of. Coin-op. Right. He probably did. Yeah, he probably did. I, I don't have to look that one up. That's a that's for. That's so for, I skipped ahead. What did I miss on here? So you, you tennis, but you jumped over your number six and number five, which are which are higher on my list. So why don't you go ahead and talk talk about that? Your well, we're going to get to those. Why don't we? Why don't we not? Because we're going to get six. Well, oh, we're going to get to those in your list. I think we should go those. Let's just find, see what's not on your list let's right jump now. To our number four. So my number four. Oh wait, my number four. Yeah, yeah. Which isn't on four. your list at all. No, it's not. But I'm the one who loved it. Is I, I see you think that you're the one who loved it. It's Laser Blast. You may have got that high score. I sat in Dad's room on that black and white TV and flipped the screen and could get them forever. Oh yeah. So I could flick, 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 and I went through. And it's like this game had no depth whatsoever. 
but it looks yeah, it's awesome. It's the epitome of, of, of Activision no-depth games. But it looked incredible, and it was fun. Like, they, yeah. whatever that thing was, or like, if you tried to, if you could not flick your wrist and shoot those three bases, your game was over. And by the way, if you, you tried to fly only... over them and shoot them, you were dead. No, 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 no. You can only do that with a CX-42. Yes. There's, you cannot do it with any other joystick. You need a real CX-40, which I plugged into my computer, and then I, and I went for my high, high score, I don't know, last year or something, and I was able to get it because, because I, I remembered that um, that controller is perfect for that game. It was, you know, it's, designed, it's a really good it was like the human interface control with Laser Blast and that CX-40 was perfectly designed for one another. Yes. Perfect. So that's number four on your list, and number four on my list appears later on yours, but I'm going to say it. Breakout and Super Breakout. Oh, boy, um, yes. So Breakout is the game we got on Christmas, which, of course, I finally able to play through and get past the second level. Where and nothing happens. Yes, the my exis- this is an existential crisis. Right, because because I find the the existential crisis created with the third level of breakout, I have to say, is is underappreciated. It it may be the vertical blank, that 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 empty screen, the empty that the ball just bounces around on. I think it is. I think the the very definition of disappointment in the vertical blank is is, is the is third that. level of regular breakout that does not exist. It's so the kill then, screen of breakout. I, I wanted it so bad, though. And, and Super Breakout, I had heard about Super Breakout. I didn't know what it was. Uh, when we finally got it, I, I love the the, cap, the cavity one. My, my favorite, though, is Progressive. Well, and why breakout. do you like Progressive so much? Ex- progressive would be because there's no there's empty a, screen there's ever. There's no empty screen at the end, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. There's no way to have an empty screen. It just, just keeps... Yeah, you just, always are rewarded with more bricks. Yeah, I I love progressive breakout. So yeah, this I would have you know walking home on December, tenth, uh, especially breakout. I think I, I would have. You were obsessed think, with that game. I still was obsessed. Yes, I still still wanted after having played it a couple of years before and then never being able to play it again because I don't think I ever found it at like Target or any of those places. I think we, the only game that normally was up was Combat, maybe Air Sea Battle, um, at the store. So that you hardly ever, you know. Oh yeah, other combat. Games. They they put combat you to put was the, usually the only the, game that was out. They would have had to put the pals in, and no, no. And you know, you know TV what? Department dudes. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it audible here for a second, and I know that um that you explained Just what like audible was in your story. We don't have combat in here anywhere at all on our list. But, so combat was was on my list at number eleven. Oh, okay. But combat is one that we would have talked about and wanted to play because two-player games was something that we were really interested in playing. Yes, it was. We were some of the few people that could appreciate a two-player game. Yeah, we love two-player games, and that's all we did was play two-player games. We made up our own two two-player games. Right. Um, just like I said in the story, you know, we somewhat socially retarded because because we didn't have to learn how to make friends. So. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Although at the time we didn't it didn't have to worry too much about it. There was a there was a. I don't mean retarded in the actual definition. Yeah, I know what you mean. Held I know back. what you mean. That's not using the um, um yeah. the actual not, r- the actual definition of that word in the dictionary. The actual is not, definition of, yeah. is not a, is it being held back held from back. being able to learn how to do stuff because I didn't need to. So the reason it wasn't that big of a deal is for some reason during that time in our neighborhood in the seventies and the late seven middle seventies and early eighties, 
everybody was friends with everyone. And even the kids, there were very few people who weren't. There were some kids who may have been left out a little bit, but it wasn't on purpose, right? There was no one trying to do that. Not that I knew. Not, not that, that I knew about, of course. But later on, it got much more like weird, right? Yeah. And so that's why it, it didn't hurt us to have a second person there all the time. But later on, you could find out that it was a little bit difficult for in other reasons. Right. Okay, so you're on to your number five, which is my number three. Let's just go. We're just going on your list now. So your list. Oh, oh. The list is. The list now is both of ours combined. Is now. Okay. Missile Command. Missile Command, number three, which is number five on An your almost list. Almost but... to me, exact duplicate of the arcade game. Was not. I knew the differences right away when I played it. You couldn't fire as many missiles at a time, things like that. Didn't matter. Might as well have been the arcade game. Might as well have been the arcade game. Same exact Rob full up. I don't care what games he made afterwards. Well, he made Demon Attack, Jeff. I know he made all kinds of great games. What I'm saying is, I don't care what games he made afterwards. This is the greatest game he ever made. Uh, Rob Fulop made Dogs, that PC game that that was like it a sold a copy. billion copies. I know sold a billion copies. So like Fulop has a, he's got a full slate of of brilliance yeah. going on. But yeah. anyway, yes, Miss, Missile his conversion Missile Command is amazing. Yes, and it is it is amazing. It is um, it's not like the Atari Computer's version of Space Invaders where they no one really cared. So like, hey, make a version of Space Invaders. He made one that was kind of close. It's good. It's a good version. It's, it's a different it's game. Different. He. He decided he decided to make a game where um, you, it explained why the aliens showed up. You know, right? How no, he made a he made a good game, made it different than the arcade, and they put it out, and no one at Atari noticed that it wasn't really Space Invaders. He's significant in that his conversion of Space Invaders could have been like the real Space Invaders, and there was there's a couple of games on our Atari Hundred like I think Super Deluxe Invaders or something that were more right. closer to the actual game. Sure, but that wasn't the point. The point was, this is a point in time where it was believed, at least by Rob Fuller, that you could interpret the arcade game into something different. Right. And, and it's interesting because the, the reaction was, no, you can't. No, you, you really, when people buy Space Invaders, they want Space Invaders. And obviously the, the VCS version of Pac-Man is a really good example of that as well. But my point being that there was a point in time where that wasn't established yet. And, and he helped establish that, for better or for worse. Yeah, exactly. But, well, but I, I remember note, I remember sitting down. Okay, we got this. Okay, so the this night, is our birthday. The, we got this yeah, for our birthday so, right after Christmas. So on our this is what I remember because it's our birthday about a month after we got the VCS in eighty two. And Missile Command and Adventure are both in orange boxes. Yes, they are. One's one's darker orange than the other, one's a lighter, kind of yellowish orange. But it but it stands out to me that our birthday was on fire because we had got these sort of <laughs> games in these boxes and both were amazing. Well, yeah, that was take those it back. Were, those Sorry. both were great. were great, even though Adventure disappointed me a little bit in what it looked like. And it, the game itself is actually really fun to play, and I love having it. Okay. There is a new release on Atari Age. There's the Adventure 2 that came out for the Atari 800. It's a version of the Atari 5200 game. Now, I've seen a version of Adventure 2 where the dot has been replaced with an actual character. And I thought, oh my god, that's awesome. I'll buy that cart. Well, the one they've released is the one with the dot. Now, I'm still going to buy it later, not now. But I'm disappointed that it wasn't put out with the character. I It could be that the person that made the game isn't the one who made the version with the character in it and someone else to drop that in, you know, as a hat. Right. But I, I'd rather have the one that had you walk a walking character because it makes it closer to what I would expect Adventure to be. Yeah. The yeah, dot, to me, is not something about Adventure that I hold dear. 
no, other people do though. See, other people think that that's I that's kind of cool. And for us, it was it was a bone of contention because I didn't want to show our friends adventure. No, and know, because like, Eric Barth about you know uh, already had a Matilda Television. Yeah, and I think even Dungeons and Dragons would be out soon, and with that incredible arrow shooting Dungeons and Dragons yeah. game that was just awesome. And adventure, you were a dot, and your sword was an <laughs> arrow. Yeah, it was it was disappointing. I think from the standpoint of this, we say the schoolyard, but really that that's not that's not a it, good not schoolyard. But yeah, let's just call it the schoolyard because it, it it is it is essentially that. But we didn't talk to anyone about video games on the schoolyard. Well, we did kind of. We so I remember bringing Electronic Games Magazine to school and looking at it with our friends, but we didn't talk much about video games there. I guess we did um, a little bit. Yeah, we talked to bit. Kenny Brown and some other kids a little bit, but but in close quarters not right it wasn't right. an open Inclusive conversation quarters. i mean it's because in junior high when we first started junior high like i think immediately the first day they were having like a dance on the patio playing duran duran music and realized that like everyone had grown up so much everyone was more grown up than we were in fifth grade right like it was exactly it was, these were almost adults you know on well, our, at least that's what it felt when like when you get the there time. in sixth grade and the eighth graders are 13 years old or whatever right or 14 they've been held or back. 14 right because we turned 14 or, in eighth grade or early. 15 we did oh yeah well some of them were 15 <laughs> and maybe even 16 at the time some of them had beards and mustaches yeah in some of them had full beards and mustaches and were like larger than dad okay yeah. so um they were and yeah it's all the marijuana they smoked. they smoked a really potent version of marijuana but anyway you're right you we got there it was like it's like Grade school's over, man. It was, it was, there were TV shows and, and there are ones now that come out where they sort of depict this experience and they de depict it perfectly. Like it, is, <laughs> it is a change from fifth grade to sixth grade, it is dynamic. When, yeah, when it, see, or whenever you go from now, school, like at junior high, we have, we have here high. close to us, they, um, they kind of say they kind of segment the kids away. So even the the sixth graders never really see the seventh graders. Right, and eighth and graders. it's walking they, in and out. Maybe. They have their own lunch and everything. But this was not the case at all. It was nope. a big intermingling. It was basically a prison yard. It was it's like, like a prison yard. okay, everybody out into the yard, and there was no <laughs> supervision, no. and it was like you got like these tiny little eleven-year-olds and these sixteen-year-olds out there, and it's like. Free for all. Well, it's like, yeah, like I'm reading, I'm getting my little, like, I got my little electronic games magazine. Right, and then exactly. They're like, they're like paging through high times. Just right, like, exactly. Like, and it was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like just 10 feet away. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, you were, yeah, exactly. So, anyway, so um, we were back, we were talking about um, uh, Missile Command. So, number the two next game on the list actually is what we just mentioned, but in a different context Space Invaders. Space Invaders for the 2600. Yeah, this is this is probably one of the most amazing game conversions ever. Because um, two things about Space Rick Invaders Mauer's I didn't like. Game. I'm going to say it right now before we go any further with Space Invaders. Two uh -huh. things I didn't like. Then, then it'll be all praise. One, the characters could have looked exactly like the arcade characters, and they didn't. Right. Two, sometimes when you shot a Space Invader, the explosion didn't happen. That's all. That's all I have to say about it. <laughs> I, I mean, here's the thing. I... I had played Space Space Armada on yes. the 
uh, on the Intellivision at Eric's house. Yes. Space Armada, I would sit there for hours. I don't know why Eric even, I don't know why his parents just let us sit They just let us do it. Space Armada. We were the weird was, kids from up the street. They, yeah. And they were nice. The Space Space Armada on the on the um, Intellivision had all sorts of options. Like all sorts, of, it had depth to it, right? It did. So you, the, you, there were different aliens or different shots and stuff as you went up. It's so what I wanted to be in Space Invaders, but they, but Space Invaders had tons of variations, but they, but they didn't all happen in succession, right? I was kind of like always disappointed in the fact that there were so many variations, but they could have turned it into a game with depth, and instead it was a game of you choose one type of thing and it was skill. Skill right, game. like like so what so and I think we've discussed this before, but the different the big difference that could have separated out and they were doing this with the seven eight hundred, but separate out pre Nintendo games, um, and Atari VCS games and Nintendo games were in Nintendo generation is that exact fact. The depth. if you had a selection of A and B or a difficulty level, but really things became progressive, not variations. And when you did that, you automatically added depth to a game that had very little depth. And then when you add in things like extra weapons and things like that, you suddenly have made it just this enormous amount of depth. Atari had all those things ready to go, but just not in the right order. Yeah, they didn't. They were still working with marketing people who wanted to say how many variations. Variations, were right, exactly. So they could say, includes 27 video games. No, it doesn't. It includes one. One video game, right. Right. And, and it's it's like the piece count, like we said before, the piece count with Polly Pocket or one of those things like that. They're still worried about piece count anyway. And that's just the difference. It's like you're still in this world where things don't, those things don't matter as much to a kid anymore. So um, let's go to our number one. We've talked a lot about this already. Number this one, of had, course. Asteroids. We had yes. uh, we had two full episodes about asteroids. I think I've probably and, and mentioned asteroids in every one, every into the vertical like episode. We've so we've far. had three, uh, we had two full episodes about asteroids. We probably probably have. I don't know. There's probably a mention of it in every, every single one. Probably. Yeah. I mean, this is Ground Zero, and I've read places where people were disappointed with this game online lately. Um, I've read, you know, I I've read, you know, I. I, I I'll say though, like this was not a Pac-Man. No, asteroids not at all. was a, asteroids was a little off in that the they, the rocks didn't float in in all the directions you would like them to float float in. But they did. There was a variation where you could get a different, a little bit more float, I think. But maybe not. Maybe I'm just imagining that. But one thing it did have in colored rocks. I didn't care about shooting con- cotton candy colored rocks. But it was the game. Yes. The game, the entire game existed. Every yeah. every piece of Asteroids was there. From the spaceship hunt you could do, you could do everything. There's nothing left out of the game. Just like Missile Command. It may have looked a little different, but there's not, and Space Invaders. But there was nothing left out. You got the whole experience at home. Yeah, it's actually way even better than, and I, I love Mindstorm on the Vectrex because it's a vector game, but like there's no gravity float on nope. and on on Mindstorm. Is it Mindstorm? Mindstorm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't there's know why, because no... all of the processor was used to create the graphics, and they had no floating point to to do it, and there wasn't enough memory for lookup tables, so they didn't have enough memory to look up like the the vectors for moving and floating. So they'd have to calculate those on the fly, and they, they had no processor left to do that and no memory left for, for lookup here. So that was like, oh. So, yes, I mean, so Asteroids was great, and I, I think that it, you know, getting Asteroids the day after Christmas 
probably seal the deal for a couple of years with Atari for us. I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, we, we, we bought, I don't know, I think we ended up with a hundred and over 120 games bought with the very, you know, variations of our own money and birthdays. And then, and then when they got really cheap, we bought them as well. And then, um, you know, in, in early in, in, we bought a whole bunch of games, kept on buying them, still thinking about a computer, a computer, a computer, but having the ability to program the computer at school a little bit and at Eric's house, we really wanted it, but we were quelled a little bit. Yeah. And then in 83, we decided we wanted um, a Vetrex and a, a supercharger. And so we, we shed some cartridges Yeah, to get that. Um, and um, because there were games we would never play anymore. In the Recycler, I think we sold a bunch of stuff. We sold a lot to... Um, to Mari's friend. Mar- no, it was like, it was Dan- like Danny Nolte's aunt. Oh, okay. okay. So, you know, quickly, before, since it's the last episode of the year, and we've talked a lot about... Um, is it the last episode of the year, Steve? I mean, maybe. This last is episode Christ- before Christmas. We might last do another episode. one. So there's another one. There may be, I mean, kind of like, usually these are our, our sort of year-end episodes. So, so we're, we're supposedly, we are going to show up to, what's this, Bill Lang's Christmas party? What are ah, we Bill Lang. Well, Bill Lang's having a little bit of an Atari Christmas party. Um, it might be invitation only because of the, uh, because of how many people, how many, he can only get a certain number of people on Zoom or whatever he's doing. Uh, what are you creating? Are you creating a demo or a game? So for this I, party? I am creating a demo, a seven, Atari 7800 game called Santa vs. the Nightmares. And I created this little. This is okay. So I've never been able to make music before. I'm not. I'm not a music maker. Your pokey tune. Um, but I did start programming the pokey a little bit for the 7800, and I made a version of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer that you can hear going kind of right now behind what I'm saying. Probably. Why don't you stop? Um, when we stop and let you play the whole thing. Here we'll play through. It's only the first first two lines or three lines or something, but. <laughs> But um, but yeah, but that and a game for it. It's just going to be a, oh, like a one-level demo of you, uh, you, you flying Santa sleigh and shooting. I think uh, uh, like colored lights shoot out of uh, Rudolph's nose, and you're f- fighting some fighting some nightmares, which are basically bad guys inspired by other video games, so Pac-Man and 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 Mario, and um, I can't remember. There's another one too. That's cool. Um, yeah. Um, play your song. Play that little tune. Did you play the little tune already? Yeah, it's already played. Oh. It. What okay, about and you? Then, and um, and then okay. So my, I'm doing something on the ST, um, in Stoss. And Stoss is just as a reiteration. Stoss is not a drag and drop game builder. Stoss is like a full programming language. You can't just make a game. Um, so Stoss is in Basic. It's a version of Basic that's pretty powerful. And I am creating first. Here's a little song that I'm creating. Um, hopefully it'll be better than the one I currently have, but here is the one here. Um, well, anyway, here's, here's the song I created for it. This is a version of Jingle Bells played with the YM chip on the Atari ST. Um, and I hope to get better at this over the next year.
Cool. And then the next one is actually going to be the, di I'm going to digitize this for the beginning. I'm only going to play a, a small piece of it. Santa's gonna sing! Santa's gonna sing! He just flashed his candy cane! Santa's gonna sing! Santa's gonna sing! It is, the game is called Santa Goes Berserk, and this is a song that I made quite possibly 20 years ago today, or maybe actually 19 or 18 years ago, called Santa Goes Berserk. And, um, and that's going to be digitized at the beginning, but I'm not going to play digital music during the game because I am not, I'm not targeting the STE, which you could do that. I'm targeting the ST. Right. And I want to play this Jingle Bell song in the middle of the game. And it is, this is basically going to be the beginning of my Berserk game for the ST. It's not going to be just Berserk when I'm done. It's going to be scrolling Berserk. This is, but right now I'm going to have the tile map on the screen and you're just going to be able to go through a room and shoot the, the monsters as you go through the room. Um, and it's, but, but it's going to later be a big scrolling map. So but here's I, the thing. Technically, I asked you about this this morning and I think you agreed to it. Your game is going to be a sequel to mine. Yes, yes. So you're flying Santa Slay on the Atari 7800. And then when you finish, you have to jump over to the ST to go, um, to go fight off the, uh, the, the bad guys who have taken over the toy factory. Something, something like that, yes. Something exactly. like that, yeah. And um, even though when you get out, you're going to look totally different when you get out of the sleigh. You're going to put on your, your robot um, armor. Where, where you sure, look. yeah. So what I, and what I did for this it one... That way. What I did for this one is I actually went and found the Berserk sprites. And then, of course, I'm not going to copy the sprites exactly. So what I did is I went into Stoss's sprite designer. And I, um, I made the sprites, my own version of the sprites, with a Santa hat on. And, um, and I, but I did use all their positions. That's cool. So i got to figure out how the positions work. But they have 16 positions for the sprite. And some are running in each direction. And some are kind of moving up and down and things like that, but really they don't have a lot of animation that goes on. But it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a an Intellivision running map, a little bit like that. Like that's what it looks like. Cool. I mean, that's what we're doing, um, and hopefully that'll be fun. I hope I don't embarrass myself. You know, there. You won't embarrass yourself. Those that, guys. Those, those guys, guys intimidate me a little bit. Not, uh, anyway, you won't be intimidated or embarrassed by the thing. In fact, this will come out after it. So. Oh go, yeah. This might come up before. No, this right? is going to come before, probably. I mean, we'll see. If, we'll see if how if much. See if you decide to edit it over the weekend, or if I do. Which, which well, I'm going to edit this conversation. Okay. Anyway, okay, so you edit this conversation. So, Steve, we've had three. I already did the story. Over the next couple of weeks, besides this episode, we are going to put out our last two Christmas episodes also into the feed. In case I think so. I think we'll put, we'll we'll put the old ones out after this one goes out, just for the hell of it. Um. Just, just, just because they're interesting. And I will do a, a video companion to this that has some gameplay of each of these games, and cool. hopefully our games too. But I don't think our games are yeah. ready yet. So we'll see. 
That'll be cool. after. Well, that'll be the third cool. companion. Will be after after that. What do you want to tell Kim Slauson? Thank you for being in the vertical blank, Kim in Slauson. The vertical blank. Hey Steve, where are we? Yeah, we're in the vertical blank, Steve. Where are we? Into into the vertical blank. We're totally. You know where the vertical blank is? Um, it's that level of breakout. Yes, it is. But that's the disappointment of the vertical blank. What is the excitement in the vertical blank, Steve? Asteroids. I'm going to say it is progressive breakout. Oh, progressive breakout. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or the sounds of outlaw. Oh, the sound. Okay, so. Or the speed or how fast um, Night Driver goes. Or the fact that Rob Fulop made an amazing version of Missile Command. Or, or, or the, the fact, fact that I could play um, Activision Tennis in Laser Blast all day long on Christmas Day. Yeah, or that or the we next could day. play combat to get against one another finally um, sitting in Dad's room. Sitting, yeah, and, and instead of getting yelled at by the, um, by the guy who worked at Target or Richie Farr chasing us out of Target because... <laughs> Is that what he's like? <laughs> and by, by the way, rest his soul, Richie oh. Farr. He was just one of the... He was, yeah, he just... You know, he was one of the guys who chases out of Target. <laughs> yeah, he chased out of Target too, and he was a. Um, anyway, um, so uh, into the vertical blank, Steve. Merry yep. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Into the vertical blank. Into the vertical blank. Hi, this is Jeff Fulton. Uh, just wanted to break in at the end with a little errata. The first errata item is that this is episode twenty-five, not twenty-four. We actually dropped. Our last three Christmas episodes combined into one episode for episode 24. There are a few quality wrinkles in that one, but you have to listen to hear them. Also, I do know that we mentioned sports games were not something we wanted on the Atari 2600, but guess what? In our top 10 games, we listed skiing, tennis, and Pele soccer. And obviously, all of them are better than home run. Uh, so thank you for li listening for the last three years. We've had a lot of fun. We're continuing on for a fourth year after this. And a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everyone. Plus, at the end of this, I'm just going to play out the full song I made for this year that you hear at the beginning and ending. There'll be a new song starting for Season 4. So I want to get this one out at least one time for the whole thing. So if you want to sit and listen, you can. If you don't, you know, you don't have to. But I just, you know, it's my podcast. I can do what I want. Again... Have a Merry Christmas, especially in the vertical blank. Into the vertical blank.
Next frame calculated. Prepare to write new data. V blank ending. An 8-Bit Rocket Studios production.